Civilization. It's like settlers, but good. It's Amigos, episode 381. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about civilization. Yeah. You know, Aaron, on this show, we tackle the big questions, the meaning of life, the purpose of existence. Yeah. Do you think that civilization is in decline or is it on the upswing? Well, you know, as someone who is taking an in-depth study in recent uh, months on the rise and fall of the Roman Empire and uh, uh, kind of gotten a, uh, uh, my knowledge bomb of what happened, every society has its ups and downs. There's no doubt. And some downs are more permanent than others. Sometimes and ups outnumber the downs. That's true. And a lot of people, I've noticed over the years, everyone thinks they live in the worst time. Like when Reagan was president in America, there were a certain amount of people like, oh, we're all screwed, you know. And then uh, sometimes when Clinton or whoever said, oh, we're all screwed. There'd be a war here, Desert Storm, we're all screwed. There's If you go back and listen to old radio shows like I do, like you'd hear stuff from like the 70s, the 60s, they were screwed all the time. And let me tell you something. You think you're hosed now... Uh, listen for, to a BBC broadcast of a radio show from, like, the 40s. Those people were really screwed. Like, they were hosed. So there are varying degrees of how up and down civilizations. Do I think we're screwed? Absolutely not. In fact, I think we've got it better than we've almost ever had it. It's just that people uh, people have changed. In, uh, and I, think, I don't think they appreciate what they've got as much as they, as they could, if I'm honest. Uh, in terms of civilization, like in terms of the world, I think the world is on the upswing. I do. I'm an I'm a optimistic guy. I know there are environmental concerns, and we've got wars here, and people disagreeing with stuff here, economic turmoil, right? But I mean, none of this stuff's new. It's all It comes in waves, right? I think we'll get through it, and I think when we get out the other side, we'll be better people for it. And hopefully, at some point, we can get our heads out of our butts, get together, and make the world a better place. Uh, on a more permanent basis. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that uh, as, a, as a somewhat of a student of history myself, one of the things that I've learned is that it really wasn't until the Enlightenment when we started to think about civilization as being this sort of like on an upward trajectory that only keeps going up where we're trying to reach perfection as a species. If you go back to the Middle Ages, people viewed civilization as a big wheel. And sometimes you're on the top of the wheel and things are great. And yeah. other times you're on the bottom of the wheel and society's collapsed again. Um, who knows where we are in that particular point of time? It's sort of like the old Romans, you know, nobody knew that the empire was collapsing when it was collapsing. Um, and so the way I look at it is stay positive, hope for the best and keep on checking out what's been going on on this week's Amiga News. Amiga News. All right, Aaron. All right, Aaron. You know, there is a new blog. When was the last time you heard about blogs, Aaron? Well, our, our, our good buddy, uh, Rob Flack O'Hare, keeps some blogs that I follow. That's probably one of the few ones I, I actually follow. Blogs used to be a big thing. Yeah. Everybody had a blog. Did you ever have a blog? No, I'm not that. I can't. What am I going to talk about? I got nothing. 
Well, if you are a uh, if you are a reader in the blogosphere and you are interested in adding an Amiga focused blog to your RSS reader, you should check out RonnieYoung.net. Uh, this is our friend Ben's from the uh, Discord channel. Uh, he has started his own blog talking about his experiences and his adventures with the Amiga. Um, this is, uh, he just started writing it back uh, just like three days ago, but he already has several posts up uh, talking about uh, his, his background with the Amiga uh, and uh, upgrading different things. And there's one called Amiga Quirks and Delights I Was Not Expecting. Mm. So, uh this is, I, I have not yet dove into this. This is one of my weekend projects is to get caught up on this because uh, I like Ben's. He's a good guy and uh, I like blogs. I, I want to see blogs. I want to see more blogs and less YouTube channels. So, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of this sort of thing. I like his song. Ben's the two of us need look no more. Remember that one? Is that Sticks? No, that's Michael Jackson, dude. Come on. Oh. Ben? Oh, Ben. Okay. I know yeah. I'm not a great singer. I'll admit that. Well, you that. sounded like the guy from Six, but you well, always man, I, Are you that. kidding me? I can't get up in that at, at times. Yeah. Listen, Ronnie James Dio, you sound just like He's him. not in Sticks, you knucklehead. He's a Dio. For, for, anyway, listen, Ben's is a good guy. And anyone that cranks it up like instantly, like look at this. He's already got uh, four chapters or whatever. You're right. That's a good sign. So good luck, Ben's. We'll be watching. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Next up on the docket. Uh, it is time to talk about Simulance Amiga Classic USB oh, oh, man. Mechanical PC Keyboard. Yep. There, it finally happened. After all, it, it, the deal was done. This thing is shipping now to both uh, pre-purchasers, and there are these are also in stock if you want to pick one of these bad boys up. Uh, Aaron, I know that you are a recent convert to the cult of the mechanical keyboard. Yeah. Um, what do you look for in a mechanical keyboard? What do, I know that you have one that you like using. What were you, when you were shopping, What? how did you choose the one that you chose? Well, you know, what I like to do is I like to do careful study on the mechanism used in the uh, uh, pressing pro. No, I don't care. Clicky and colorful and Maybe also cool looking. Those are my things. And cheap, brother. Clicky, it's the three C's. Yeah. I don't, you know, these people are like, I don't like the feel of the switch, the blue switch or whatever. Come on. This is the same thing with those freaking joystick buttons. Get over yourselves. It's a keyboard, man. This is the least important part of a computer. But this looks great. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to drop some wad on a keyboard, it might as well be, you know, an Amiga keyboard. You know what? This would go good on both. It's the old, right here, the old. Amiga Mini right here. You can stick yes, one of those bad boys absolutely. right on there. You know, you got the mouse. Then you've got the full. You've got the full ex Amiga experience here. And these things, like you said, there you can go buy them right now and have them shipped to you. No wait, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you have a checkmate case, instead of using that sort of uh, what is a nice way to put it, abomination that that uh, that that you put oh, your A five hundred keyboard into. Listen, they did. What are you gonna do? They played the hand they were dealt on that. Get it comes yourself, out of the five hundred. Get yourself a Svelte uh, Amiga Classic USB mechanical keyboard from yeah. Simulant. Listen, man, if you are on board the Amiga hardware train and you're spending, you know, six, seven hundred pounds on a monitor Kickstarter, you're ready to step your keyboard game up and get yourself one of these uh, mechanical keyboards. 140 pounds. It sounds like a lot, but it's really not. Because think about all the times you use your keyboard. How many strokes are involved? 
I don't know what a keyboard. What's a great keyboard cost? They cost like hundreds of pounds, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you are serious about typing, you're going to spend hundreds of pounds on your keyboard. Why not get one with classic Amiga style? Plus, listen, Simulator's our boy. Good guy. He is our boy. He's been around. We were around when he was like prototyping this bad boy. We were mm-hmm. back in the day. And it's been a couple years ago, hadn't it, Bo, when that was going it's, down? Oh, yeah, it's been a couple. It's so, been a couple. G- congratulations, man. Uh, you got you got to the end. And for all you folks out there that picked these up, let us know what you think. Drop us a note. Aaron, our next story. Congratulations are in order to one Stephen Jones. Yes. Oh, I got a lot to say about this boat. His retro style, I'm going to read this verbatim, retro styled modular IPS display for old and new systems. Something tells me that uh, Stephen is also his own marketing department. Uh, this is, a, he has reached and surpassed his Kickstarter goal. He wanted 250 grand. Right now he's at 309 grand and there are still 45 hours to go. Aaron, tell us your thoughts on this particular piece of hardware. You know, uh, myself and our good pal, old shifty O-Rom, we've talked about this quite a bit uh, in, in private messages, and I've mentioned it on here occasionally. And when this thing came out, I'm not going to lie to you, brother. I thought there was, I got to I gotta give Jones, I got to bow down and apologize to this guy, because I thought there was, I swear to you, and you know this because I told you, I thought there was a 0% chance that this sucker was getting funded. Z, a quarter of a million bucks for something that doesn't come with a screen, and and the specs are iffy. Like, you know who knows, right? What the the final thing's going to be, and when you're going to get it. You know, I thought there's a, no way that this is going to happen. But man, uh, this guy—I will say this—it was down by about a hundred grand in the last week or so. And man, the media blitz was on. Nostalgia nerd did a show on it. Uh, I've seen stuff on my Facebook, on Twitter. Everyone going crazy. And they, they pulled it in, and now this thing's up to 310 large, all right? That's cash money, Boat. Uh, and again, these are monitors that come with no screen. They got no screen in them. You got to pay additional money to get the screen. I thought there was never a chance it was going to happen. There are very few people that could have pulled this off. Very few. Because you've got to have, I mean, this guy, I can say without hesitation, is the most trusted man in all of the land of Amiga. There is no second place. Stephen Jones is over like Rover. So all the credit to the guy. Uh, now, the one thing I will say about uh, Mr. Jones is uh, he delivers on what he says he's going to do. Uh, I mean, you pay the price, but he delivers. And I have no doubt that he's going to come up with some kind of pretty good monitor here. Uh, I just didn't think the concept behind it was, was going to hold water. But, man, I was wrong, big time wrong. And I, I'll admit it, man. I was big time wrong about this, too. I thought there was no way... <laughs> That the Amiga community, or the I guess the retro community, yeah, would pay the price that was asking here. And let's let's take the whole aspect of it not actually coming with the display out of it. Let's just say any flat panel display. Yeah, I didn't think there was a a need or a want in the community for another kind of flat panel display. Uh, when I think about Kickstarters that would that would draw that would get funded. You know that are that are monitor based. I think if somebody were able to come up with a new way to manufacture, say, like a uh, a color vector monitor of some kind, say some sort of like retrofit kit for a Vectrex, or just a you know color vector monitor for arcade games, I have no doubt that that would be funded if if you could get it done, you know, in a certain price point. But 
flat panel displays. I thought the book was was pretty much written on those. And and if you wanted one, they were out there in whatever kind of flavor you wanted. But uh, this just goes to show that I know nothing about this community and what they want <laughs> is totally different than what I thought they did. You know, and I, I went on a small series of, of insane rants in the Amiga hardware section of our Discord about this when I saw it got funded. Because there's so much of this that doesn't make any sense to me. The fact that, I mean, this thing has these interactive pods that click in and out of the back to do different functionalities, which is interesting. But, I mean, a lot of this thing hinges on the same graphic interface card that you bought and destroyed. That Remember that jam, that the arcade conversion board? Remember that? Now, now I have heard that the, the, the model that he's using is not the same that is commonly available for cheap on eBay. I, I looked, I, I'll zoomed source. in on that thing and copied the numbers down and then, and then looked it up. And as, okay. as far as I, I can tell, be, it was, maybe I, I was, maybe I was informed. I held one up to the screen, brother, cause I've still got the one you mauled. Now, but I mean, it, anyway, it goes. Let's say it's a super Whamadine version. It's the same basic bear, homie. You know, and so you put this some, and then everything sort of runs through this. And he's talking about hooking up like the having uh, pods for the retro tank and the OCCS. I'm thinking, so why would you want those? I thought that was the whole point of this thing was to not use those. But clearly, there are uses for this that I that I'm are beyond my ability to ascertain. So for the folks that that chipped in on this thing. Uh, good luck. I'm sure you'll get what you want. And to uh, Stephen, uh, congratulations. I mean, like I said, I didn't think you were going to pull it off, and you did. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he pulled it off. Uh, but uh, it is, to me, I, this one I find sort of baffling in a lot of ways. But, but like you said, you never know what the people want. Sometimes you got to tell the people what they want, brother. That's right. That's right. All right, Aaron, we move on down the line to talk about Chris Edwards' latest video. This is brand new, out of the gate. I have not watched it yet. It just produced, it just went up seven hours ago. Holy but God. I know you've got something to say about this, because I think you used to have one of these things back in the day. It's the old 386 SX Bridge Board. I wish I had a 386 when I tell you that right now. I did not. The one I had was a, was a uh, not anywhere near as nice as what I, he's showing here. This is a uh, this is a Zorro slot board for a two thousand or what you know one of the big box Amigas. Mine was mine actually fit inside of the one thousand if you can mm. believe that. And uh, so these things here were pretty neat. Now I haven't seen this uh, since it just came up, and I've been at work, uh, but I do know a little something about the old uh, bridge boards. But you got to understand, uh, boat, and I don't know where. Do you recall the the you recall how fast the first DOS-based PC was that you owned right off the top of your head? Uh, the first DOS-based PC I owned was an XT clone, oh, so it was incredibly slow. So it was it was it predated the uh, 386 even. So you were in. I didn't know if you were in for the. I whole jumped. I, I jumped straight from that XT to uh, a Pentium 90. So oh, I was. So that was a huge I never leap. had. Yeah, I never had anything like this. Yeah. Well, we you know bridge boards were great for the for the Amiga. I loved them. I still love them. That's the one thing I'd like to have the big Amiga for, is just to get a real nice one. Because it was so much fun to get my geek pals over and be like, look at this, and then load up DOS crap. The problem mm -hmm. is, you it ran like garbage on the, you know, because, <laughs> but it's still, they couldn't run any Amiga stuff on theirs. You know, here right, I'm running, right. I'm running DOS, and I'm running the Mac. So were you, I mean, like, what were the limitations of what you could effectively run? I mean, were you able to load up, like, Doom and go to town? Go, <laughs> No, 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 okay. no, no, no. This thing would run CGA barely. 
the bridge boards were really they were meant for stuff like uh, Lotus and and Word Perfect, the DOS business you know, the, applications. Right. Okay. They sure as heck weren't built to play games. Now, what did I want to play with them? It wasn't Lotus. I can tell you that right now. I wanted to play Lotus is free. <laughs> you know, I wanted games on that sucker. So the bridge board didn't do me a ton of good. But the one thing I did like about it is like you could transfer files with it. Of course, you really didn't need a bridge board to do that, but you could you still you could do that with it. You could run basic applications on it. You know, on the one I had now. A 386SX, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Plus, if you've got one of the big box Amigas, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you could add video cards. You could add, uh, you know, network. You could, because the, the the slots have, or ISA slots, so you could add cards, a PC cards to your Amiga to get the functionality of it. Mm-hmm. Then, you, then you got something. So, <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to watching this, because... I'm a big, I am a big fan of the, of the whole bridge board thing because really, what other computers were doing this sort of thing? Not that many. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, well, you know, you have to think about what other computers were came at this point in time, came in big box format that could even afford expansion like that. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the, the big box max, I'm sure there were PC. Well, I don't want to say I'm sure. Uh, but I think that there were some kind of PC bridge boards for the bit, like the Quadra and stuff like that. The the old sixty, the really really high end sixty eight thousand base max. Yeah. Uh, but uh, of course, once you, once you got much further than that, uh, you're getting into the era of Macintoshes that just don't have that sort of you know room on the inside of the case to do stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know those old high end Macs. Now I've never gotten to mess with one, and you, I'm sure you have. Uh, but I always heard they were, I mean, of course, they cost a fortune. That hasn't right. changed. But I heard they were hot rods back in the day. They could do a lot of crap you wouldn't expect. And that doesn't surprise me that they had bridge boards for them uh, or piece, some sort of PC emulation. So kind of neat. But the Amiga, probably the only computer that had the ability to emulate both the Mac and the PC, you know, for, yeah, at the absolutely. time especially. So I love this. I'm anxious, I'm anxious to see it. Chris always does good stuff. <laughs> and... Uh, Check him out, everybody. Chris Edwards, good stuff. And uh, just to follow up on that, uh, I just did a quick search. Uh, in 1993, Apple announced what was called the PC Houdini card for the Quadra. I figured if it was going to come out for anything, cool name. it would be the Quadra. Yeah. It used a 486SX25 CPU, no FPU, and only basic speaker sound. So it was limited, as That's they not say. bad, though. Yeah. I wonder if you could somehow use this, your onboard sound to get some kind of you know better I sound i'd say i i'll have to i'm gonna do some youtubing later tonight see if anybody's done something like that you before. know i miss those old days because you all you you know in the old days if you had the bridge board you just boot off of a disc you know you got mm-hmm. your dos disc set up and then you're in there i mean you could do stuff i just you know it even gave you support i'm trying to remember if i ever used the pc side to do any online you know like a bbs stuff it seems like I, were you were, was there it. more was there more functionality for bbs's on the P- pc side than the amiga side or once was it all since it was terminal based it didn't really matter there was a tipping point where i stopped using the amiga to get online because you gotta remember i used the coco at first you talk about you know pretty remedial stuff although there mm-hmm. were some decent terminal programs that came out eventually the Amiga was a, a step in the right direction, but for the longest time, I used a program on the PC called Telex, and uh, that was the program I was comfortable with. And that was my main driver for BBS. And but most of the time, I used Telex was after I'd gotten rid of the Amiga. So I, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, the Amiga did fine. Most like the BBS is pretty much anything can run them. That's a good thing right. about it. Right. All right. Well, uh, we have one more story, and this is another sort of long running theme on the podcast. This is the black keycaps are now available from a1200.net. 
of course, the keycap project, the ongoing saga continues and black keycaps are now available for uh, the Amiga 500 plus 600, basically all the big box, everything but the Amiga 1000 appears or the original 500. Yeah, we uh, and so, yeah. And so uh, you can pick these up. They are 73 pounds uh, and uh, or I'm sorry, 73 euro. Uh, you can pick these up at a1200.net. Are you a big keycap guy, Aaron? Now that you're in the mechanical keyboard space, you have the ability to swap out your keycaps. Have you done that yet? Well, I have not. Uh, however, uh, a little birdie got hold of me this week, and I may have a hands-on demo of these in the near future and uh, with full credit to the birdie once they fact nice. goes down. So, yeah. Uh, listen. Uh, it's nice to see that little, those two little words underneath there, in stock, in stock. Mm -hmm. These are good to go. I know some people are really into the aesthetics and, you know, we're, we are low end boat in a lot of ways because we don't Almost care. every way. I mean, when it comes to like hardware, I mean, you're like me. If it's sort of functions, you're in brother. And <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I, I, I want the computer to look good, but it's not killing me. You know what I mean? I'm an old school guy where the computer was just a big dumb box that you perpetually swap software out of, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me. I, for, I look at computers a lot of times like toasters or something. It's just like, you know, once they're done, you know, they're moving, moving them out the door. But I'm trying to become more uh, appreciative of the look of the machine. You know, there are some beautiful machines out there, some good looking machines like your TI-99s and whatnot. And you can absolutely, I've got the black keyboard on my Amiga over here, or the black case. That was given to me, and uh, uh, it looks sharp. And so uh, uh, I could absolutely see the appeal. And the price, I don't know what keycaps go for, but I do know that the euro and the dollar aren't too far off right now. I'll, I just checked this week to see what they were going for. So uh, this wouldn't be the worst time if you're in the States to grab these you know, while the getting's good. I don't know how much mm -hmm. lower the euro is going to go with the dollar. So these look like a pretty good deal. And, they, of course, I'm sure they'll be fine. The, you know, They'll do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's going to wrap up this week's Amiga News, Aaron. So why don't we move on down the line and talk about one of the guys that makes all the magic on this show happen, and that is Frank and his team of wizards at RetroRewind.ca. <laughs> his, his team of wizards, it sounds, it makes it sound like they're doing some black magic up there, brother. Well, they are. They are. Up in the toe. That's what they call Toronto. Is that what they call it? That's a horrible the name. The toe of Canada. <laughs> That blows. Listen, one thing that doesn't blow, though, is RetroRewind.ca. Top shelf parts, top shelf service, right across the board. Frank and his crack staff. They take your uh, Commodore computer. They take your CDTV. They take your TR City car computer. And they take these things very seriously. Do you need uh, replacement parts sent to you so you can take care of business on these things? Frank's got them, and they're top quality parts. Do you have the uh, ability to fix these yourself? No? Pfft, don't worry. Send them up. Send them up to Canada. Frank will take care of you. They'll do it old school for old school pricing because he doesn't rip your arm and leg off to make a deal on these things. He makes you a good solid deal and gets the turnaround time quick. Uh, Frank's got tools like diagnostic ROMs. He's got uh, updated Kickstart ROMs. He's got SD card solutions boat. He's got accelerators. He's got T-shirts. He's got floppy disk park, cardboard device. He's got everything you need to take care of your Commodore or TRC computer. He's the man to go to, Boat. That's right. And if you load up your cart with goodies and sign into your account, 
make sure you use the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. You can save yourself 10% off Retro Rewind's already low, low, impossibly low prices. We thank Retro Rewind for being a longtime sponsor of Amigos and for being just great, great people. And we hope, we hope, fingers crossed, we'll see him again at Boat Fest this year. Now, you know, speaking of Boat Fest, Boat, speaking of Boat Fest, bam, we got to speak about Boat Fest. <laughs> what was that face you made there, Boat? <laughs> that's that whenever a curtain opens and I'm behind it, that's the pose I assume. Because I told Boat this week, as, and this, I, we're not being, because we're not going to sit here and peg Boat Fest for the next four months. It ain't going to happen. But. I told Boat, as a public service, because so, just to clear my conscience and clear his conscience, we're going to talk about these tickets because the tickets are now available. Correct, Boat? Crickets are now available. Now, and, and percentage of tickets sold in the past week, the less than a week, you sold. What percentage of the tickets? Well, About you 10, know, 15 percent. The room that we're in has a strict capacity due to fire marshal reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we are only allowed to sell a certain amount of tickets. 20% of those tickets are now right. gone. And so I told Boat, I said, listen, I, 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 it's hard to talk about the, the computer festival that we host without sounding like an arrogant jerk. Okay. But I'm just going to lay this out here. These tickets are all going to go away. All right. I'm telling I'm going to a big party tomorrow night with all the locals around here that were at Boat Fest. And I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them the same thing I'm saying now. Get your tickets soon, very soon, because it would be a tragedy if you didn't get your tickets and you didn't get to come to this, and we don't want anyone to feel bad. So if you are interested in coming to Boat Fest, uh, don't hesitate. Get them now. Where can they get these tickets, Boat? Boatfest.info. Boatfest.info. Uh, that's right. Uh, of course, Boat Fest, if you are, have been, uh, if you're a uh, recent listener, they, it wasn't around last June. We uh, relentlessly plugged this for months and months. Uh, we uh, This is our annual computer exposition, vintage computer exhibition held in lovely Hurricane, West Virginia. Uh, we will have uh, dozens of computers out and on display. There will be trivia contests. There will be workshops. There will be repairs done on site. Uh, by hopefully Retro Rewind and others. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a really, really fun time, and we hope that you'll come and join us. And it's going to be held, listen, It's I think it's going to be held in a much better spot, and I think it's going to be, uh, we have a better idea of what we're doing this year, I think, Vote. And I think I this have just, I've, it's just been confirmed. Frank in the chat says we will be there. Outstanding. So definitely you're going to want to come and bring all your stuff that needs fixing. Last time, Aaron, when you entered the door, I couldn't see your face because it was just a pile of computers in your arms as you as you lumbered in. You know, you say that mockingly because I wanted to do that, but I didn't want to bogart <laughs> Frank. for the. And the thing is, that would have happened because Frank and his crack staff, Frank and Jason Warrens, worked continuously for the entire festivity, uh, nonstop. Um, anyway, we're not going to kill this every week. We'll mention it here in a couple months, but this is this is your 20% uh, uh, tickets gone wake-up call because once these are gone, brother, they're gone. There's not going to be any, like, second-tier seating or whatever. Uh, these things are going to be not gone. unless you want to sit on the street outside. That's, that's right. second-tier seating. Yeah, we'll open a window and, and, and hold the screen <laughs> up to you. But that's Boat Fest. Give them that information more time, Boat, to where to order. Boatfest.info. Right, and you can check the Boatfest uh, section of our Discord 
for perpetual Boat Fest news. Uh, we'll be uh, kicking it in. We'll probably hit it a lot harder after we get through Amigathon, which is our next big event. But it should be a lot of fun. We hope to see many of you there. And we hope the people that came last year, boy, we'd love to see you again. Because it was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Boat? Absolutely. All right, Aaron. It's time. Let's talk Civilization. Beautiful. There's <laughs> that, that lovely MIDI noise that comes out of the speakers when they make it do that. So, we've meet again, Civilization. We, uh, this is our uh, second go-round uh, uh, week here. What is the official name of the second go-round week? Retro Rewind Week, whatever we call, we call it. it. We, call, we call it a second look. Second look. The second look, Boat. Uh, the game we're second looking at is uh, the uh, Immortal civilization or sid meyer's civilization we're going to get picky about it uh released on the amiga the year of our lord 1992 and the aga version uh rolled out in 94 took him a couple years to get those extra colors squeezed in their boat four big discs developed by mps labs we know what that means that's an in-house uh microprose uh outfit uh on the amiga See if you heard any of these boats. See if we covered any of these. F-19, Pirates, Gunship 2000, Nighthawk, Railroad Tycoon, Secret Service 2. Silent uh, Service si- 2. Excuse me, Silent Service 2. Red Star- we did, we've covered almost all of these. M1. So we've 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 had a, a cup of coffee with the guys over at Microprose on this one. Um, designed, of course, by the legendary uh, Sid Meier. Who, uh, like I said, uh, aside from the aforementioned uh, items on here, he also uh, did it was involved in F fifteen two, which we just covered a couple weeks ago, uh, boat, and one of our uh, classic, like under the radar success hits, which was Covert Action Boat, which we both mm-hmm. thought was great at yeah, the time. Yeah, I- I've actually went back to that one a couple times. It's a lot of fun. There's a whole bevy of people that worked on this. I'm not going to go into it. I mean, there's just tons and tons of people that worked on it. You can imagine uh, the way Microprose works uh, that there would be. Um, the Amiga was just a pit stop on the uh, uh, never-ending marathon of ports that this game got. Uh, you've got your classic Apple Mac port. The ST uh, got it. The NEC PC-98. The Super Nintendo boat got this one. The DOS got it for Windows and, or PC got it for Windows and DOS. The Saturn got this. The PlayStation got it. And there was even a 16-color Tandy PC version of this. So maybe one of these days we'll see this on the Fine and Tandy show that Adam hosts. Um, this was not a an Amiga. Uh, uh, this was based on another platform. It didn't originate on the Amiga. And this came off of the PC platform that came out in 91. Um, Boat, uh, we covered it so long ago. I don't know how much you remember about what we said before. I went back and watched that episode. Did you happen to catch that this week? I never go back because I don't want to be influenced by past Uh me. Well, I love to be influenced by past me. And I can tell you right now, I went back and watched this. uh, I listened to this show. This show was was boring. (laughs) 
we we sucked. This show was, I thought to myself, my God, these guys are no good. They should stop. Was it back when we were doing the hardware talks too? No, this wasn't okay. that old. This is like it's like it's like in the forties. It just I found it I found it boring and dull. I hate to say it about mm. my own show. So I'm hopeful we're gonna be more exciting this time. And when we talk about uh, Civilization, now, uh, I don't know when you played this. Give us a little background history on your time with Civilization before the Amigos. Uh, I started my Civilization uh, experience uh, on the Macintosh, Mm -hmm. uh, and I played Civilization 4. I believe I played it. It was the first and possibly only game that I used Boot Camp for. Uh, boot camp is uh, when they when uh, Max made the switch to Intel. It's funny we're just talking about bridge boards and junk. Yeah. Uh, when Max made the switch to Intel, uh, you were able to boot natively into Windows, uh, which you know if you are a gamer, you're going to want to do that because the Mac gaming scene uh, not so hot. Um, and uh, I played. I, I got Civilization Four for Windows. And I played that game so much. Yeah. So, it's a very so popular much. version. Yeah. Uh, and uh, after Civilization 4, uh, I, I dipped my toe into Civilization 5. Uh, I own, thanks to, I think, the Epic Game Store, I own Civilization 6. But uh, a combination of sort of the, it seemed like the game was sort of the same combined with the fact that circumstances in my life changed and I don't have as much time to really play, you know, uh, really, really in-depth strategy games like this anymore uh, means that I really, I would call myself a uh, Civilization Four expert only. That is the only game that I can really speak to with any degree of uh, certitude. So the first time we covered this on the Amigos is the first time you'd played the first Civilization? Absolutely, yes. I see. Now... I will tell you, the very first time I played this was actually on my uh, Tandy. Uh, I had this uh, up in my apartment in Huntington, and uh, uh, became. And it's not my kind of game, as you know, Boat, because I'm a shallow, vapid geek that just likes uh, shiny stuff and, bl- and explosions. But for some reason, this game got its tendrils in me. And I actually really played a lot of this on the, on, on the uh, Tandy machine. And then uh, when I got when I got into the Amiga, I played even more there. So I was a big fan uh, of of this game. And so coming back to it the first time, I don't know what I was thinking because I'll be honest with you, having w- listened to that old episode, I'm still not sure what I thought. I was not very good at conveying <laughs> my, my opinion on this thing. I will say this time around, and I don't think I did this last time. I played the AGA version of this. I don't know. Is that what you played, or did you play the original? I, I spent most of my time with the OCS-ECS. I played uh, a little bit on the AGA side, but mostly OCS-ECS. I'll let the AGA version was... Uh, now, okay, so I want to cover this before I forget, so I'm going to cover it right now. This game, uh, when you play this off of a disk drive, I hate. I hated it. It was really slow, all right, back in the day on my 1000. And I've heard a lot of people talking about how it, this game, it, it kind of lumbers along. This is one of those games that plays a lot better now with WHD load and stuff mm-hmm. than it ever did uh, back in the day. It loads quicker. It's not nearly as irritating. Uh, but with all that said, uh, I found it a less smooth experience than I, than it was on the Tandy on the on the DOS version uh, because I, I don't know why. I guess it just I just didn't think it was as smooth. Uh, and I had I don't I was going to ask you about this because I tried this. I actually tried. Emulation on this and the Mister on this, 
how did you how did you find uh it was to move around the map with the cursor uh well i used the uh you know i played this on fsuae yeah and i'm not a philistine so i have a numpad yeah and uh using the numpad you get around just fine i actually now this is something i didn't know the first time we played this you can hit the g button and then your mouse will let you move you can just point where you want to go and your guys go there yeah uh but uh uh it worked fine it worked good the problem I had was just get, getting the cursor to a position where I could get my guys to move around to explore. So I had a little bit of trouble with it. And I had it, it's everywhere I did it, it was the same way. So I'm assuming that's sort of the way it was baked into the game. Uh, so we should talk about what you do in this game. Uh, this game uh, uh, is, I was going to say it's pretty simple, but it's not. You basically start out with, by picking a, uh, a, a, a path to follow from one of the provided civilizations uh that you could start with you've got help me out here but i can't remember all these so now you've got rome you've got uh, uh a uh a, like a chinese there's greece, dynasty there's, you've got there's greece Zulus. there's the, the, the aztecs yeah there's america um really america doesn't belong with any of these things america is way too new of a civilization but they have to put it in there i never played them game. by the way and by the way i, I played them I, I spent i never do normally but i did yeah. this time and it's quite hilarious i'll go into it later i i played you know so as you know as i mentioned earlier i've gotten into rome quite a bit here at roman history so i played rome every time and i tried a couple different methods to see how i could progress the romans you know and sometimes I try to do it like, because as you go through the game, once you pick, and I've heard that a lot of this is just, there is sort of surface level differences in this version of Civilization. Now, in future versions, it, there's a lot more uh, in-depth differences, but I've heard that there's, it's mostly surface, there's a little bit of differences in the different, uh, you know, a different uh, Civilizations you pick in this. But I tried, I liked, it's fun to, to tinker around. This is a game that you can play over and over, and you can just sort of change your approach. But what you're doing in this is you're trying to advance your civilization. You're trying to help them create cities. You're trying to help them advance uh, their technology. You're trying to help them advance their art. You're trying to help them advance their knowledge. And you're also trying to uh, coexist with your neighbors. Uh, who will turn up. Uh, sometimes you can't do that. And so this game go, goes in turns. And, and so you will go, uh, at the very beginning of the game, You pretty much all you can do is f you found a couple, you found yourself a city, and then you go out and look around. And this is one of those games that has the old fog of war boat that it, everything's black until you go there. And then you can sort of work out the map. So for the longest time, you're just trying to f see where you're at. What's it look like? Uh, what is uh, what are where is the where is the water where are the deserts stuff like that, and then you can start actually uh, ginning up your cities. Do I need a militia here? Do I need a granary? Uh, and then you can also eventually you can start working on your society as a whole. Maybe we need to discover how to use bronze. Maybe we need a, an alphabet. You know, maybe let's figure out how to use the wheel. These are all different aspects of the game that you'll come across, and they and you've got these. Um, You've got these chains that come up that require certain elements to be figured out before you can move to the next element. For example, I would love to have chariots. I'm Roman. All right, well, guess what? You can't have a chariot without a wheel, brother. You know, and probably some mathematics I'm thrown in there. So you have to go through all the different various aspects of, up a skill tree 
to get to the better and cooler stuff. Um, I think that's sort of summarizes that part of it, Bo. You want to add anything to that? Well, I think the best way to describe this game is this is uh, the original 4X game, if you're familiar there, with the There it is, which series. I was not. This is, uh, you know, you've got Explore, Exploit, Exterminate, and Examine. I can never remember what the fourth X is, but it's, it's, it's something else, okay? And so you're basically wandering around. You're ex expand. Oh, expand. That's what it is. You're getting, you're getting, you're making your city bigger. You're harvesting the natural resources. Yeah. And you're going to town on the competition, knocking them out either with diplomacy or with a straight up war. Yeah. What was your and preference so, on that, by the way? Did you, do you, do you change it every time or did you, did you like to be aggressive when you played? Well, this in, it's in when normally when I play, I always try and get like the cultural victory because I think that that's more important. Then I, I think it's more it's more interesting because you get to explore more aspects of the tech tree. However, I'll tell you what always happens. Uh, I always start, you know, it's like I'm all peaceable and then somebody starts getting all up in my business. Yeah. And so what I have to do is I have to retaliate. And then all of a sudden I turn into Genghis Khan and I go scorched earth on yeah. everybody. Okay. And it's my and anger. Seeds. They've been very cunning with the conflict in this. And I, just like Boat said, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm playing the Romans. I'm, I'm searching out my business. I come across the Zulus. All right. They're sending, and when you come across like another civilization, they'll send out an envoy generally and they'll try to work out a deal, at least most of the time, unless it's the barbarians. And so the envoy comes out. He goes, "Listen, he's like, well, we need, we want to sue for peace, you know? Okay, that's cool." Then they're like, "We notice that you guys are ignorant in the ways of whatever, you know? Maybe we could do a little swap." So it's actually good for you because you're swapping skills with this other crew. But they word it so crappily. They literally say, "Like we notice that you're dumb in the ways of this," and little needles. <laughs> and then sometimes they'll be like, "Listen, now that we've got peace, we think you need to pledge X amount of gold." You know, you get a, sometimes, now listen, sometimes they'll give you the money. They think, okay, we don't want to screw this guy. But sometimes they're, they want you to pay them for peace. No one wants to pay for peace. You know, that's no good. These little needling things, sometimes they happen to be, their cities or their troops happen to be somewhere that you want to be, you know, resource city, right? And you've got no choice but to go there and stomp a mud hole in them, you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're just in the mood and you've built up a crap load of militia. you got to do something with them. Let's go invade that town, and you do it. It's it's good for a laugh. So you won't go through the whole game being Mister Peaceful because it. I, I mean, I never do. I don't know if you do that ever. I never. I always fight people. I don't necessarily well, you, want to. You can't. You can't go through the game and not have to fight. You'll be overrun. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, but there's also barbarians that just come out, and they those guys you have to deal with. You don't have a choice on them. Right, right, and uh, but sometimes you sometimes you're going to run into hostilities that the people will not take no for an answer. Yeah, they'll refuse offers for tribute and things like that too. Um, but I'll tell you, here's the thing: it's time we've come to the show where I talk about why this game is one of the greatest games that's ever been made. Thank God you didn't say why it sucked because I had no. to get in the car and drive over there. I was afraid you were no. going to bury it. This game. I believe this game is the greatest strategy game that's ever appeared on a computer platform. And I'll tell you why this game plays like a board game. Okay. It's a turn-based game in which every turn 
you are accomplishing something. There is never, there's, there's never, there's never turns that go by that you don't feel like something has been done. Okay. So the way that the game is laid out is that you are constantly having to make decisions and having to make choices. And the choices are always laid out for you in easy to understand terms. You're never unsure what to do or where to go. This game through a series of tool tips or not, they're not really tool tips, but they're just sort of like hints that appear at the beginning of the game. They guide you through what the game wants you to do, but they don't do it in such a way that railroads you into making you feel like you don't have a choice. So, for example, when you start the game, uh, you see your little covered wagon. And it's like, okay, it's time to, it's time to found a city, you know, roam about and see a good place to find a city. And when you roll over a place that the game thinks might be a good city, a little thing pops up and it says, Hey, this might be a good place to found a city. Now, do you have to build your city there? No, you can keep going, but the game helps you out and you're like, Oh, thanks game. All right, I'll do that. And the, it plays right into the theme of the game that you are not alone in this. You are a group of settlers with advisors and your advisors are there to help you as much as they can. It's a fantastic way to not make the game seem like it's giving you this tutorial. Instead, it's like, oh, you've got these really, really smart people and they're going to help you choose. But in the end, at the end of the day, you are the dictator. You decide what is best for your civilization. Um, when you are done taking a turn, you hit the turn over button. And the only time where in the, you know, the only thing that I've noticed, like you were talking about speed earlier, yeah. the longer you get into these games, the yeah. more the speed kind of chugs. It chugs yeah. So at the beginning of the game, you know, the computer's taking their turn. And I mean, you're, you're almost right back in it almost immediately, but when things start getting hairier, it's going to take a little bit of time. Now, I'll tell you what else is great about this game. This game teaches you things about history and yeah. it does it in such a way that's cool. Yeah. Um, you know, whenever you develop a new technology, there's a very well-written little paragraph that appears on the screen. You've got a little graphic and you've got some informative text that tells you about what you've just built. And it's cool because you spend a certain amount of turns. You might spend, you know, 26 turns building a certain kind of military unit for the first time. And after that long, long wait, you kind of want to know about it. And because Civilization is a game that takes place from a very, very high bird's eye view, it's almost like an airplane's eye view, you don't get close-ups of anything in the actual gameplay. So the game brings you the graphics in these little, there. There's you can either see them on the info screen with the paragraph or what's really, really cool that I actually like more about Civ 1 than the later Civ games is when you add things to your city, you actually see like a, a like a 3D blueprint of your city, like a 3D map, like an isometric map, and you see the building appear in the city. Yeah. Like in Civ 4, you don't get that. Like you see like the city, you sort of see it on the, on the overhead screen a little bit, but I really, really like the full screen, like uh building where your, your building appears and you actually see your city grow before your eyes. Yeah. There's, there's, like, also, there's a tab you can go to that just looks at the city. So you can occasionally yeah. check it out. It's plus, fantastic. The, plus the fact that you can expand like your castle or whatever, and you get to pick what it's, so I mean, it's not like it's a uh, D paint. But you sort of exactly. get to pick the stuff that happens to it, so you can sort of design your own. It's a little tidbit that gives you a little a little extra spice on the steak. You know what I mean? Well, it makes you feel like you're part of the world, you know. Yeah. And and the thing that's great, the thing that I think puts this over the top over a game like SimCity, 
is that in SimCity, you know you're screwed pretty early on, like because of the way that the budgets run and because of the way that the money is constantly flowing out of your account, okay? In Civilization, it makes you feel like you can do anything and you can approach anything from any way you want. And that's super, super empowering as a player because you're like, oh, well, you know, this past game, I developed mathematics first before I developed the wheel. Well, in this game, I'm going to go all in on bronze working and see where that gets me. And the game doesn't come out and say, listen, you know, you're an idiot, you know, or it doesn't. There are no adverse effects that happen now later on down the road. Maybe you've spent so much time working on, you know, like, you know, paper mills and stuff yeah. that you're going to get run over when the military comes to town. Yeah, when the but, tanks roll in. Yeah. yeah, but when you're on your way doing that, you're having fun because you're building your civilization the way that you want to. And because of the cutscenes, you're learning about all these different technologies. Yeah. It's so, so nice. Now, is the music constant in this game? No. The music only comes to town when you are um when you are uh, when you build something, yeah. yeah, an event happens. Now, this is where I get into where I'm playing America. Okay. So in this game, it matches up your ethnicity. Uh, well, it's like a random, like you get a random ethnicity with your nation. So like America doesn't look like a bunch of colonial settlers. They they look like, for example, mine looked like, uh, like Asians. And so like my domestic policy advisor, I swear, looked exactly like Genghis Khan or somebody like that. He looked like <laughs> yeah. his old warlord. Think how and much so, tougher we'd be if that was true. Exactly. I wish that were the case. And so um, that... I, I really find that aspect of the game fun, too, that even though it's based on historical civilizations, uh, you, you, you're kind of name-checked with things, like the names of cities and things like that, the names of your figures. Like Abraham Lincoln was the name of my first settler. Um, because they are randomly generated otherwise, it's just kind of a neat uh, contrast. And to me, I, I, I really love that. I thought that was so much cooler than actually having Abraham Lincoln living in, you know, 3000 BC or whatever. Yeah, they, they, they do a great job of shuffling the, the deck of civilizations and then sprinkling them around to make it more interesting and more. I like that aspect of it. You're right. I agree with that. Just like the, and you were talking about the historical elements of this. You're so right. Because you think to yourself, wait a minute. You know, your founder in 300,000 B.C.'s Lincoln. Yeah, you're not going to go to history class with that knowledge. But <laughs> all the stuff that you build, all the stuff on that knowledge tree, it's logical. You know, you've got to learn how to, you have to have an alphabet before you can have written laws. Something like that. And it, but it makes sense. But like Boat said, every time you get something, you get a nice big screen to read what's going on. This is what this did. This is why this happened. These are the people that were involved in this. It is a great way for a kid to learn something, or an adult, depending on who you are. Uh, and then when you get to tinker around, I mean, you were talking about this compared to SimCity. I like this way more. Now, that doesn't mean SimCity is not a better game or is a worse game. I don't even care. SimCity is like, uh, um, to me, it's more of a creative outlet. This is this is more of a game to me. Now, that yeah. much said. Yeah, I, absolutely. Because it is. This is a game <laughs> that has a winning side and a losing side. Right. SimCity doesn't have that. But with, with all that said, they pack so much. We've played a lot of games uh, on the Amiga and other machines that are really complex. And they seem really complex. This is a game that I never thought was super duper complex. But it's super duper deep. 
Mm-hmm. And it gives you almost unlimited options to play. Well, here's through. the thing. What this is, is it's complexity done right. Yeah, yeah. Everything the- is explained. It's like Boat said, but this, the namings of stuff. Like, for example, I, I played Rome. My first city was Rome. It ain't Rome. The second city, and they don't make you name of that stuff. You can do whatever you want. You can name it Boat's House, whatever. But you're Who's learning house? something. You're, you're mm-hmm. learning something about this. You're learning the, some of the big players that were involved in your chosen civilization you're learning uh, about the all the wonders of the earth that are, you know stuff like that this stuff's important to know and it's also they've introduced it in a way that's fun and they've also done a good job of adding the ability to look stuff up if you don't understand it they, you can look up what this stuff is it'll tell you everything's available you can look through it and it'll tell you what it is in case you forget or whatever it makes it perfectly simple I remember playing this back on the Tandy with a big, thick book. Remember the old book? Mm-hmm. And ne- I needed that book because the book would tell, show you all the skill trees and stuff. But I didn't use the book this time. I just went through and just tried to free... Because the book helps if you could get the docs for this. Because you could look and say, okay, where, if you've got a place you want to go, you right. need the book. Right. Okay, right. I want to have this. Well, I've got, I don't know the path to get there. Even though it's logical, you may not know it. Because it may be six or seven or ten steps down the line. But I had a lot of fun just going free form. I think that's the way I'm going to play from now on because well, it, it felt it felt more natural to me. And as I went through, as my simulation went on, and depending on where I was at, my resources, the enemies, I could kind of instead of like in the old days, I would just go towards a goal, which was linear thinking. Now it gives me the ability to kind of mold my strategies and mold my civilization around my surroundings, which is more realistic in the first place. Right, right. And I'll tell you the way to suck all of the fun out of Civilization, and this is actually why I stopped playing Civ Four. is I started looking into ways to min-max victory. Because you can, now I don't know, I'm sure that this has done, been done with Civ One, but there are there are sites you can go to that are like, okay, you need to make three cities and you need to make them this far apart. This is your military city and this is what you need to put here. And there's ways that you can win every single time if you follow this set. But talk about making a game not fun at all. Yeah. Like that. The, the the key about civilization that just makes it so great is the the feeling of anything is possible. I can grow this civilization in any way that I want. I can focus on whatever I want. And even if I am not the ultimate winner of all time, I know that I have something unique that you, ne- you never, ever play the same game twice with civilization. Even if you make the same choices, the randomness of the world map that you start in is going to be, is going to be totally different. That's going to affect things. Uh, and so the, of course the behavior of the other civilizations, you know, talking about the docs, one thing we should also mention is this is one of the first games I know of that came with a mini instruction manual inside the game itself. The yeah. Civilopedia up there is always up there in the top right, uh, and you can look stuff up on there. Talk about just, you know, uh, it's people that thought of everything. It all comes down to having just, you know, I really do. I don't throw the word genius around too much when it comes to these game designers. I think a lot of times they get more credit than they deserve. Sid Meier, genius. Yeah. Complete genius. Because if you can make the complex comprehensible in a way that he does with this game, that is a stroke of genius. You know, speaking of him, uh, I, just a little bit about the making of this game. Uh, and there's a famous there's a famous quote that Sid Meier said when he was asked about the development of this game. And the quote is, one of my big rules has always been double it or cut it in half. 
He cut the map sizes in half less than a month a month before the release of this game, you know, because he thought there was too much. He would he was he would take away or add automated stuff. He had a uh, uh, he had a plan. He had some foresight. He wanted the game to flow a sort a certain way. Uh, something else I I didn't know about this boat, and I thought this was interesting. You've heard of the Avalon Hill board game from way, way back called Civilization, I'm assuming. It's, no. Well, is there, there a game called Civilization there, from Avalon Hill? There was. And, oh, but this, is it, was, is... this is way back, before this okay. game. Okay. And as this game was being made, uh, they were afraid that they were going to have an issue because they wanted to call this Civilization. And so they actually worked out a deal uh, with uh, Avalon Hill. And the funny thing is, because this game does feel like a board game, and me and you have played enough of these sorts of games, we it's got that feel to it. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, in 2002, Sid Meier's Civilization, the board game, was released, which basically is a board game based on the game that was sort of loosely based on a board game. And so, I remember you have or had a copy of this game. I, I've seen it. I don't think I have it. I, I remember have, seeing it on your shelf at some point in the past. Maybe I do have it in here. I'm not 100% sure, if I'm honest. Uh, but uh, I never have played it. I will say that. No. I, it's something I always like, wanted to try. Listen, this game made all the lists uh, in terms of its popularity. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it, listen, here's, here's high praise, Boat. Number three, best game of 1992, Amiga Joker. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if the joker's down with it you know it's good and it won best simulation of 92 so when you win the awarded joker you're king dong brother uh in november of 96 it was the it was voted number one overall in the best 150 games of all time high praise yeah uh yeah. and game informer 62 in the top 100 of all time these things just keep going on i'm not gonna go through but it did well now in the amiga realm uh as you can imagine Everyone, their brother, reviewed this because it came out in the sweet spot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Lemon gives uh, the OCS version of this an 8.8. Uh, the AGA version, hilariously, gets an 8.6. But, I mean, from what I read, that's just a small discrepancy. They're both good. I mean, I played the AGA version. I thought it was pretty good. Um, most of the magazines give this uh, uh, a rating somewhere in the low 90s to the high 80s. There were a couple outliers, but they were, you know, goofy. The overall magazine rating score is 86%. The AGA version overall had an 88. So, again, you're in the same ballpark. I mean, the AGA version didn't reinvent the wheel, if you know what I mean. They just gave it, gave it some more colors. Uh, but uh, uh, So, this was pretty much well-praised across the board. Now, we did mention, both that this came out on a multitude of systems. And you specifically asked me to pull one up for a comparison. Tell the people what That's that right. was. So, we are going to take a look at the Macintosh version. And I've got to say, this comes from the one, the only Graham Vebke, uh, who uh, suggested on the Discord that we take a look at the Mac version. Um, the Macintosh version is amazing. Amazing. And it all comes down to resolution and yeah. the resolution limitations of the Amiga. Um, this thing could run uh, on the Mac at 724 by 10, or 1024 by 768. Um, and it looks like a modern computer game i mean it looks like a game from the windows 95 era that's where i sort of draw the line of modern computer games because the graphics are such high resolution and it goes to show 
that in the realm of strategy games, uh, computers are always at the forefront, obviously. And if you, if you are a strategy game guy, you probably moved off of the Amiga sooner than many other types of games. If you were a gamer of that stripe, just because the experience that you're going to have playing a game that has the kind of screen real estate of the Macintosh. And, you know, I, I looked at the DOS version, the DOS version doesn't look, it looks more like the Amiga version. Yeah. It doesn't look um, this good. And so I don't know, you know, if Sid Meier was a big Mac guy and he, he wanted to make sure that this, this system got a great port or maybe just the, the default Mac of the time was going to give you a better, you know, better screen resolution than the average PC at the time. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. You would think that the PC version, the, the VGA version of this would look more similar to this. But I mean, the Amiga version, both the OCS and the AGA version look like a child's toy compared to the Macintosh version. I don't and that's know. not something you say a lot. Do you know what year? I'm going to look here real quick to see what year the Mac version came out. I've got to pull it up here because I was kind of wondering because um, you're right. It does look head and shoulders above the others, but I think it, yeah, it came out uh, 93. So it wasn't same too far the along. A, same year yeah. as the AGA version. Listen, I've played the VGA version of this, right, and the 16-color version, and I think they're both more attractive than the Amiga version. I think the Amiga version just got jobbed out, if I'm mm. honest. Uh, however, neither one of them look as uh, tight as the Mac version. Speaking of jobbed out, we should take a moment to talk about the good old AGA version yeah. of Civilization. Another total disappointment and another sort of, you know, nail in the coffin of the, uh, you know, Amiga going forward as being any sort of a relevant gaming platform into the 90s. Uh, the, all that was added, again, just a, a few extra colors. Nothing has been added in terms of extra, you know, uh, there's the, the cutscenes are not any different. There's no extra animation or anything. Just total, total disappointment from AGA, whose codename probably was disappointment. To be fair, Boat, as you bury this thing yet again, that you've got to have the uh, you've got to have the incentive to do more work on these, and I don't think the AGA systems were creating enough extra cash in the coffers of these companies to merit a proper port. I have no doubt that they could have done more with what they've got here if they'd wanted to. Uh, but with all that said. One would wonder, I was just thinking about this, the best way to play Civilization on your Amiga may be to run it under the Mac. <laughs> yeah. Know? That would be yeah. great. Uh, if, as long yeah. as you've got a tricked out Amiga. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Know, I don't know if you could get that kind of, uh, I don't know what the fidelity was on a Mac of that era, but still, uh, it's, it is kind of funny to think about. Uh, but, you know, listen, with all that said, and Boat's uh, burial aside, this is totally playable on the Amiga. It totally works. I played it for hours. I'll give you two tidbits. Uh, you're going to come across, at least in the versions I played, uh, a, a, a which I this happened in all the versions, a doc check to get you to look up a certain thing. It's a copy protection. I'm sure you came across it as well, Boat. Mm -hmm. And once you get past the copy protection, which was cracked, it's going to ask you where you want to save your file. Do not save it on the hard disk because you then will not your game will be gone. This happened to oh, me, oh. and I was furious. You need to oh. put a blank disk in the virtual drive if you're playing an emulated version, because otherwise you're. I screwed myself one time, and I had a 
I had a honey of a game going too, Boat. I mean, mm. I had everything set up perfectly. I had centuries and I had fortified spots. I was ready. And then I lost everything. It was a real bummer. So. I've never, I've never, whenever I'm prompted to save, I never save my game in an emulator at all. Because in my experience, most of the time it just never works. I just use the save states in FSUA. Well, it didn't give so. me a choice, unfortunately. It just did it. Oh. Uh, it just asked me where I wanted to save. And I was like, oh. So that's a little F FYI. Boat, did we get any Discord action? Uh, we did. Before we go there, though, we're so happy to have Amiga Cami in the chat right now. And she says that an O30 with AGA is enough to play Civilization easily. And she says even Warcraft 2 is totally playable on AGA with an O30. So uh, the Amiga, surprisingly competent in Macintosh emulation, of course. Many yeah. videos have been made from RMC and others about the uh, the capabilities of the Amiga as a Macintosh emulator. You know, we should try um, that sometime, Boat, as a show. Well, we, should, we should. We should try some Mac games on the Amiga and see how they work. That'd be kind of fun. I would love to do that. We got two reviews. Actually, we got three reviews this week. We got Our first comes from Lord Soup. He says, I'm a Civ junkie and cut my teeth on an A500. For a long time, I didn't notice how achingly, mind-numbingly slow Amiga Civ is. Yes. But it's intact and has all the features and everything, but I can only recommend it nowadays on a super-accelerated Amiga and high-end big-box Amigas. I don't think I can score it fairly, as your experience will vary on your hardware. It's still a great game if you allot a long time to it, but it's super chuggy on an A1200. Best played on a PC, 386, or faster if you can. If you've spent big bucks making a Super Miggy, it's 10 out of 10. Level Lord writes, I will never forget the day when I played Civilization for the first time on Amiga. Since strategy and Sims are almost the only games I would play and still are, trusty local pirate who knows my weakness called me and says <laughs> he's got something good for me. I sat in the car and drove to his place, grabbed the floppies, and went back home. It was love on first sight, and Civ was my favorite franchise for years until Sid and Co. managed to water it down and turn it into mainstream garbage. Ooh, burial. Oh, burial, yeah. I played and finished Civ 1 many times with all nations and on different Amigas, and just a couple months ago played and finished it on my A4000 one more time. Because I knew what to expect, I was not disappointed with the graphics or sound, and gameplay was still top-notch. It glued me to the seat and required one more turn from me. It's aged very well. Before Civ, there were not many strategy games of that caliber, and main go-to games were Deuteros, Millennium, Supremacy, and Battle Isle that I can remember everything else faded away. Civ was incredibly innovative. Uh, it was an incredibly innovative way to play strategy games. It introduced 4X, uh, and which is holding up even today, introduced research in the game with the direct benefit from it, and even included parts where you can micromanage your cities so they can produce what is needed in the moment. It's a shame that all new Civ games are basically the same as Civ 1, expanded a bit, but nothing truly new was introduced into the franchise. Civ 1 can only get only one score from me, and it is a 10+. plus. Mm. And finally, the legend, Graham W. Vebke writes, I spent a lot of time in the 1990s playing Civilization on the Atari ST. While I enjoyed playing this on the ST a lot, I overall spent way more time playing this on MS-DOS because of the higher resolution, allowing you to see much more of the gameplay area. Yeah. The same issue is present with the Amiga version of this game. While it does a great job with the visuals and sound, though it will never be as good as MS-DOS or the superior Macintosh version due to the lower resolution, and of course, the Roland MT32 audio as well. That's right. Well, gotta have Amiga, that. 
the Amiga game plays well, but it is indeed slower than both the MS-DOS and ST versions of the game. So I think you need at least 2 mega RAM and at least an O30 to really enjoy this game on the Amiga. The mouse cursor on the Amiga version is weird too. Aside from that, this is a good. There's That's a good it. time to be had here if you enjoy 4x strategy games. It's a 9.5 out of 10 for me. Yeah, he said that the the cursor's weird. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. To, let's slam the door on this sucker. I looked this up on the eBay uh, boaster, and this would be one if you're going to own one. This would be the worst one to have because you get that big beefy manual, brother. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's also like a quick chart for the skill tree involved there's a lot of stuff in there uh i saw these for sale in the usa boat 64 bucks 40 bucks the discs were selling for 23 bucks however i did see this sell for 64 dollars and i also saw saw it sell for 28 dollars. so it ain't cheap but it's not the uh, worst thing we ever saw boatster yeah all right aaron well why don't we leave civilization and see what kind of uh, strange and wonderful things have been happening on the YouTube channel. Very good. I really enjoyed that this week, by the way. This is a real... I enjoyed this game a lot. And I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it. So it's going to be back in the rotation, brother. So uh, this week, Boat, got a few offerings here. Uh, let's talk about the latest edition of the Atari ST show. But what do you want to say about this one, man? So this is Enduro Racer. A, uh, another arcade port. We've done a couple arcade ports on the Atari ST show. Yes, we have. This is, uh, this is one that is not the best. <laughs> it no. is, it is not the best. Um, you know, I, to be honest with you, Enduro Racer, I don't think is the best, uh, motorcycle racing game, even in the arcade. No. And, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't get any extra points on the, the home conversions. Although I must say, uh, the, the strap line on this is, uh, is, is it better or is the specy version better? That's an open question because this game and the ZX Spectrum version look a lot alike. Uh, there's not a lot to recommend about the Atari ST version of Enduro Racer, but you should still listen to the show because we are hilarious. You know, this is the answer to the age old question. It's like, I'm thirsty. I'll have a big glass of room temperature water. Like, it will quench your thirst, but you're not going to be like, man, that's some good water. You're going to be like, right. eh, you're just going to move on. That's basically the way I look at it. But we had a good time, like you said, Boat. Um, uh, the other item on the Dockeroo here, boy, we're begging for some views on this one. Feel free to come check this out, everybody. It's myself and that nefarious Brent. And this week, uh, we spun the wheel and we made the religious deal, Boat. This is religious games, games that are about religion. Uh, and actually, uh, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit, if I'm honest, because it was a fun challenge. We both challenged ourselves to try to find something different. Now, I failed the challenge horribly, but uh, uh, I thought Brent's game was real interesting. Now, I ended up picking... Bo, you're uh, sort of a biblical scholar. How would you, how would you uh, pronounce... Uh, this guy's name. I would call it just Onesimus. Onesimus. There you go. I've heard several pronunciations. I was calling. Now, it, I, I don't uh, recall this. I don't recall this name from the Bible. Yeah, he so was mentioned. I, I think three times in the Bible. Okay. Okay. Uh, or uh, on it on whatever you want to call it. I also call it crap. No eaters. You can also call it Jill of the Jungle because this is what happens <laughs> when you take a religious theme and splash it over top of Jill of the Jungle. Uh, so if you like those kind of. Uh, uh, dopey, doofusy platformers from back in the early 90s on the DOS machine. You're a bitest, brother. And you get to learn something about religion. Brent's game, on the other hand, was far less crap. 
Uh, Brent picked a really uh, interesting game uh, called Mandagon. And this game has uh, uh, got a great vibe. It's a free game on Steamboat, by the way, uh, from mm-hmm. 2016. I do really urge uh, you guys to give this one a shot. Like I said, it's totally free. They've also got phone versions, Boat. This is a very chill game where you can't die. You just sort of explore, and, there's a, and it's wrapped in this story. I really found this quite uh, quite a soothing game. Now, but aside from that, there's also this really deep, intricate tale that I boated up because somehow I just skipped past all the intricate religious now, parts. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, what is the what is the <laughs> religion this game is affiliated with? It's uh, hmm, it's I don't remember. Is it uh, mm. Buddhism something? I don't. You hey, watch the show to find out, brother. Uh, but uh, that's that's the plus. Well, that's know. a ringing endorsement. <laughs> but I, I call it soothing, man. It's like a, a nice, quiet trip to the Himalayas boat. You know, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's all we've got on the main channel. Let's scoot over to the stream team channel. we got a few things on offer. Uh, last week I released, you're going to love this boat. I went back and re- I'm starting to release the uh, parts of the Thanks for Giving Marathon 2021 that we never released because they were so good that we forgot to release them. And so this t- I'm starting to release them slowly. Uh, on this particular uh, uh, wheel spin, we play games on the TR City Color Computer and the Atari uh, 7800 boat. Uh, so we play just play a bunch of games. So if you want to watch me and Brent play some games, this is your this is your thing. Thanks for getting Marathon from last year, uh, and I'll be pushing these out uh, every so often. Uh, a week ago, boat, if you'll recall, I did a little thing called the Friday Night Disaster Stream, brother, and this was from my arcade, and it answered the age old question: How do these Amiga games play on an uh, on an arcade machine? Are they any good? Your thoughts, Boat? Um, I, I would think that they would translate very, very well to an arcade machine because uh, you, the Amiga is a joystick-based device with a button on it. So That's right. It, it seems like you would have better luck playing Amiga games with an arcade stick than, say, you know, any sort of a console game. Correct. Correct answer. It Actually, they play great on here. I go through a whole bevy of games uh, on the Amiga, and then I go... We start cranking up some uh, Game Boy Color. We start. Mm-hmm. Frodo came in, boat, and he says, "Listen, he goes, you need to load up the Game Boy Color, and you need to play this game that's based on the old animated show Dexter's Laboratory." I'm like, "Okay," and I did it. It's like sure an elevator action. It is yeah. an, it's a awesome redone elevator action for the Game that's Boy very Color. Cool. This is I like that show too. When it was this on. is one you need to play, boat. We had a lot of fun okay. with this one. But we tried a little bit of everything. We ran a couple hours, had a good time. This is my first attempt to do a proper street from the arcade. And it hey, worked, worked pretty l- let me tell you something. Those pinball machines look solid gold money in the background. You like that, Boat? I love I, it. That was, that's, that's, a, that's the glamour shot, Boat. Yeah, want to look, it is. I don't want them looking at me, for God's sakes. So anyway, if you like uh, some just arcade action, pop over and check that out. That's uh, on the uh, Amiga games on an arcade machine. Lastly, uh, King Dong is back, brother. It's black. It's Jack Flack. This is a whole show. Sprite Castle plays dedicated to Zaxxon boat. I'm a big fan of the old Zax uh, myself. And so uh, Flack goes through and plays this thing on every conceivable platform he can think of. It certainly got released on everything. It did. Well, I mean, what's your thoughts on the old Zaxxon, brother? Not a fan. 
Really? Not a fan. I, I I don't care for shooters. I don't like Return of the Jedi either. I just don't <laughs> well, care for isometric. I'll give me that one. This was the King Dong of isometric shooters. But I mean, it's the first now, one. Now, I will say that if I was around back in the day and I saw this for the first time, this is a viewpoint that none had ever seen, and I'm sure it would have drawn me in. Let me. I, I know I've mentioned this before. I'm going to say it again because it's apropos. I was watching Entertainment Tonight with my family, and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, in the teaser, like, prepare yourself for the first 3D video game. Mm-hmm. And this, they showed, they just showed this, and it had stars commenting on how cool it looked. Yeah. You know, so yeah. this was a big deal when it came out. Other people laugh at that, but it's true. I was sitting there. Uh, and uh, he goes through a ton of different versions ColecoVision. You know, he goes through a bunch of different versions, including uh, after getting a tip. He plays the uh, uh, Master System uh, Saxon 3D. I didn't realize there's a way you could turn off the 3D in that game, but it still stinks, but you can do it. <laughs> so anyway, check out the Flaxter. Uh, it was a good time, and Flax's always entertaining, uh, always fun to watch his uh, streams. I think, Boat, that is all we have, my friend. All right. Well, Aaron, uh, before we uh, before we get out of here, we need to figure out, you know, this, the holidays are upon us. Yeah. And so... Uh, you look like you're slowly to... deflating, Boat. What's well, going it's... on over? Come on, fire back up. It's not over yet. <laughs> Sorry. It's whenever the stream team segment comes on. I sort of drift into what is, a world what, of my What own. the hell? That's, a, that's the best so, segment. Uh, it's time, Aaron, to do a little bit of Christmas games. What's coming up next week? Well, guess what? You're going to be prepared to be amazed. Bam! Happy holidays from the Amigos, because we didn't know, but now we do know. Tell them what we're doing, Boat. Christmas Lemmings. Christmas Christmas Lemmings lemmings next week. So, join us, won't you? Uh, And, of course, before we say goodbye, we want to thank all of the people that make this show happen, including uh, all of our Patreon supporters. If you like the show and you want to send us a couple bucks, patreon.com slash Amigos Podcast is a way you can do that. You also get cool magnets at the end of the year, Christmas cards, and you can become a member of the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, which is where all the coolest retro people online hang out. We also broadcast this show every Friday twitch.tv slash amigos oh i messed this up last time i think it's slash amigos retro gaming it is twitch.tv slash amigos retro gaming uh and you can join in the chat we got a nice little crowd here this evening we appreciate all the fine folks in the chat that are keeping keeping uh keeping us going um and finally we leave you with a list of all of these people that are the aforementioned with the haunting love theme of civilization guys have a great week we will see you next time and until then adios